0: FastGrowingTrees.com Code POOL Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Today is April 22nd, 2021 and our first story. Police have begun resigning and retiring en masse across the country due to politics, policies from Democrats, and Black Lives Matter riots. The political atmosphere is so tense, many officers don't want to be cops anymore, particularly in big cities, and departments across the country are struggling to recruit. In our next story, Black Lives Matter insurrectionists have stormed the Capitol building in Oklahoma City over an anti-riot bill that was just signed into law. It's funny how the media isn't calling this an insurrection, though this is apparently okay. And our last story, a juror in the trial of Derek Chauvin has spoken up and explained why she thought he was guilty. Though she was an alternate, she did say he should have been found guilty. And she even wanted to say that she was worried. Whatever she said, she was going to anger people may have played a role. Before we get started, leave us a good review. Leave us five stars. And if you really like the show, share the show with your friends. It really helps now. Let's get into that first story. Be careful what you wish for. You might just get it. Due to the ongoing Black Lives Matter riots, the constant stream of news demonizing police officers and the intense political climate that sees even high profile Democrats smearing and berating police, Officers are resigning in large numbers. In Albuquerque, 20 members of the emergency response team have resigned from their department. Many departments are saying they're struggling to recruit new people. Applications are at an all time low, a historical low. Some departments are saying that they are struggling to reach the amount of officers they need and thus In many jurisdictions, we are seeing crime skyrocket. Unfortunately for most people who actually do want the police, the media has been inundating everyone with the worst of the worst. That's the name of the game. The squeaky wheel gets the grease and police brutality news generates clicks. So the left is actually winning on this one. The people who are in favor of defunding and abolishing the police, while not necessarily winning a political victory, are winning an implied victory. The sustained pressure campaigns, the fact that district attorneys are not prosecuting rioters, has police saying, what's the point? Why bother being a police officer if you're going to risk your life and then go to prison if you try to defend yourself? Which brings us to the Chauvin verdict. This isn't even playing a role yet. The resignations in Albuquerque came two days ago. That was the day, I believe, of the Chauvin verdict being read. So this news was before we even knew that Chauvin was going to be found guilty. Perhaps the trial itself, perhaps the criminal charges were enough for many officers to say, I ain't playing this game anymore. And you know what? I think it's the right move for everyone. Now, the left is going to come out and they're going to say, oh, look at the right wingers all salty. Tim Pool's all upset. No, I'm actually I'm chilling. I get out of the cities. I've said to everybody, you want to get out of the cities and these cops should not you know, stand for this. If the people are saying we don't want you here, respect the wishes of the people and go. The sad reality is most people want the cops, at least according to several polls. And when we saw Minneapolis actually tried to defund and abolish their police, residents went nuts. Crime was skyrocketing and it backfired. I guess the issue is these people who are upset when the police leave aren't doing anything right now to stand up for the police. So be it. The only result is that cops are going to leave. And I think it's completely obvious this would be the case. My advice to all of you is to move out of cities and to become big fans of the Second Amendment and the right to defend yourself. I don't live in an area with a police department anymore, so I understand those that live in cities are probably worried about this. Unfortunately, not enough people stood up and did enough, and now the cops are leaving. In Baltimore, even back in December, hundreds of officers short for their department. In places like Akron and New Jersey, they're saying they need to recruit more people. Who would want to be a cop in this climate when you will be next, when LeBron James says you're next? I mean, that's the story, right? There were two black teenagers fighting. The cop decided to save the person who was about to be stabbed. And for that, LeBron James, look, he may not be known for his political rhetoric, I guess kind of is strangely, but he's a very famous individual blaming the officer for saving someone from a stabbing. I'm sorry at this point. I think it should be obvious to any and all officers. It doesn't matter what you do. You will be the bad guy. And perhaps we should respect the wishes of these communities. Well, let's read what's going on with these departments. And I'm going to break down for you a lot of the latest news that shows, for better or for worse, Black Lives Matter is getting what they want. Now, these departments aren't being abolished or defunded, but they are faltering. And that is an erosion in favor of Black Lives Matter. Now, before we get started, head over to TimCast.com to become a member and get access to exclusive members only segments. Just go to TimCast.com right up top. You'll see members area. You'll see members only. And when you click that, you can become a member and watch all these really great segments. Charlie LeDuff last night. Wow. Talk about an amazing show. You're not going to want to miss this one. And I mean it. I was. Charlie LeDuff is amazing. He's kind of an eccentric guy, but he got real serious talking about, I'm just going to put it this way, corrupt journalism. Crooked individuals and some of the horrifying things he's seen. I can't even I can't even say them on YouTube because you will be shocked when you see it. Check it out. Become a member. And don't forget to like, share, subscribe. Hit that notification bell. Let's read the first story from Fox News. Officers resign from team that polices protests, tired of being managed by politics. They say an Albuquerque police union leader explained on Monday why several officers left the emergency response team following a protest, stressing that morale is gone. Within the police department, police officer union president Sean Willoughby also noted on Fox and Friends that officers don't feel supported and don't trust their leaders. He stressed that Albuquerque officers are tired of being managed by politics. Seventeen officers, one lieutenant and two sergeants resigned from the team that handles protests following a counter protest earlier this month, KOB4 reported. According to the media outlet, an armed man who was taunting demonstrators was detained by field officers during the protest. And at the time of his arrest, the man was not charged. Albuquerque Police Department officials reportedly reversed that decision, and an officer was placed on leave as an investigation was conducted. The outlet noted that according to the APD, there was a breakdown in the chain of command about whether charges would be filed against the armed man. A spokesperson for the Albuquerque Police Department did not immediately respond to Fox News' request for comment. However, KOB 4 reported, citing a statement from the APD, that the department's chief made it clear that we cannot have a breakdown in communication during critical incidents. We have worked hard to earn back the public's trust. The statement reportedly continued, we will lose that trust if we resist accountability and culture change. I'm a big fan of police accountability, big fan. And I suppose what the left is pulling off is what they would call a big ask. This is something that Donald Trump talked a lot about a lot. It's where you say, hey, you know, I'll sell you this bottle of water for $100. And when someone goes, that's insane, you say, "Okay, about 20 bucks and they go, ooh, 80% off. Even though 20 bucks for a bottle of water is nuts. The idea is the left is going to come out and say completely dismantle and abolish police. And then everyone's going to be like, whoa, stop. Let's just reform the police compromise, right? They want to force everyone further to the left while acting like it's actually a compromise when the ultimate goal will be hard police reforms and a a restriction of their power. I'm not entirely opposed to it. I mean, police reform, I'm all for. Police accountability, 100%. The problem, the media is lying to you. We see these videos. A woman tried to stab another, a a teenager tried to stab another woman in Ohio. And the grifters on the left are, are literally defending child knife fights. you think I'm exaggerating? I'm not. I covered it yesterday. They're saying, oh, teenagers do this all the time. Please don't. Please have the police come in. You know what? I'm going to stop right there. I am of the opinion that we should respect communities when they want a change to be made. If a cop goes into a neighborhood and there's a knife fight and the cop saves someone by shooting the person with the knife about to stab the other person and the people get mad about it, the cop should not intervene. Look, I know a lot of people are saying, no, that's dumb. The, the cops need to save lives. That's their responsibility. Whoa, 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 whoa. I don't need agents of the state to tell me how to live my life. Now, I personally appreciate having cops because, you know, while I'm, I disagree with a lot of what they do, notably on Second Amendment issues and constitutional issues, I think these are things we need to reform. It's really hard to do. It's a tough spot. I don't know. I'll prefer it. If, if you want to have a, a, a city where you kick the cops out. That's your right. You vote for it. By all means, don't let me get in the way. If where I live, we vote for constitutional carry. I don't want the cops to come and arrest somebody for having a gun. No, we make that decision. That's our community. Fine. If they want to have a city with no cops, they voted for it. Hey, I moved out of Philly. Okay, I don't live there. I relinquish any claim to tell you how to live your life. If you live in these areas, I respect your opinion when you say we need cops, because the reality is you do. Now, look, a lot of leftists are going to be like, cops are bad. They're all bad. All that stuff. We saw what happened when they tried to defund the police in Minneapolis. Crime skyrocketed and people were just like (laughs) begging the cops to come back. Good luck. It ain't going to happen, especially not after all this. The cop, they're actually, don't get me wrong. They're actually finding new recruits for a lot of these departments, which is hilarious to me because these cops are going to be the first in line to go to prison when they defend themselves because they're not experienced. They're not going to know how to handle themselves and they're going to do a lot of things wrong. And then, well, you know. That's, what, that's what's going to happen. Let's read a little bit more. They're going to say, Willoughby reportedly told the outlet that 20 officers have quit over the last two months from the department. Speaking on Fox and Friends on Monday, he said, there was a lack of trust with our administration. They were not su- supported. We have an individual that's being removed from this counter protest for doing absolutely nothing wrong. Willoughby told host Brian Kilmeade, He didn't violate any laws. He was exercising his constitutional rights within the city of Albuquerque. And we had a sergeant taken off his job, gun and badge removed. Who wants to live under that type of scrutiny? Everything in Albuquerque is about constitutional policing, unless the constitutional policing doesn't prescribe the political ideology of whoever's in charge. That's not how officers operate. We are not a Rubik's Cube. Will it be pointed out that being part of the emergency response team is is an extracurricular activity? for those officers, and that he doubts the APD will get anybody to replace these jobs. We're going to have to use field services and traditional dispatch with civil unrest from now on, he continued, stressing that he doesn't blame the officers for leaving the team at all. Who wants to take on that professional liability of being involved in these protests that just are never ending, he asked. The Albuquerque Police Department reportedly said the resignations won't impact crowd control operations in the future. So I want to make sure something is clear. In case I got something wrong, I don't know if they're quitting outright. It does say they resigned. My assumption is they're resigning from the department. But if he's saying it's extracurricular, maybe I was wrong. So I'll put that correction
1: right here.
0: Possible they're staying on as regular cops, but not in the emergency response team. Regardless of this, the resignations are real across the board. We are seeing a lot of resignations and a struggle to bring on enough officers. This story from today, Philadelphia police shortage developing into very real concern, FOP president says. This is from ABC6. In Philadelphia, police are having trouble finding new recruits to join the force, even as officials say the department is severely understaffed. FOP Lodge President John McNesby says it's kind of like a perfect storm developing. The eye of the storm revolves around several issues, including a dramatic rise in the number of Philadelphia police officers filing for retirement, a diminishing pool of young people who even want to be a big city cop, and the suspension of new officer training because of the pandemic. So again, pandemic plays a role and retirements play a role as well. Under normal circumstances, there would be dozens of new recruits coming in for training every three months. Now, though, the most recent class graduated last December and the next one isn't expected to begin until next month. And you got to remember that once you go into the academy, it takes you about 10 months to finish. So we're not looking at putting any boots on the ground until maybe next spring, a year. Okay. Okay. hold on. You're going to be saying, hey, Tim, they're talking about retirements and the pandemic and saying they're just trying to find people to hire. Why are they struggling? Why do people not want to be big city cops? I think you need only look at what that officer just said. It is due to the political climate, probably, well, maybe not exclusively, but I think to a great degree. He says, then you throw in the recent changes to the department's residency rules, mandating all police trainees live in Philadelphia before they enter the academy. Nobody is going to move to Philadelphia hoping they get a job. They want to make sure they secure employment, then move in, he said. Richard Vona, director of the Bucks County Police Training Center, said all of these issues are also inspiring younger officers from the city to seek employment in the suburbs and not just from Philadelphia. His spring testing dates are filling quickly. The application has only been open for a week, but I do see a number of officers from some bigger cities like New York and Philadelphia. I'm sorry, man. Look at what he says. Coupled with the pandemic in the future, getting classes in and getting them through the academy we're at dangerously low levels. Uh-huh. Could it possibly be that nobody wants to be a cop in a city where they're gonna go to prison? Yes, I think that's fair to say. And and, and here we go. I don't just make these things up. This is from ABC ABC Six, okay? The other story is ABC six Philadelphia. This one's from ABC Six Rhode Island. Different ABC six. Is it really? That's how it works. That's ridiculous. Anyway, national brutality cases. Hurting police recruitment, locally, officials say, don't come to me and be like, you know, people just want to live in the suburbs for some reason. It must be the pandemic. OK, fine. I'll 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 I'll, I'll say yes, I will. I will give you that one to a certain degree. But come on. We know the national brutality cases are hurting police recruitment. Here's what they report. Attleboro, Massachusetts. Some local police departments said they've seen double-digit drops in recruitment and increases in early retirements. New Bedford Police Chief Joseph Cordero told ABC6 the department has seen a noticeable drop for the last five years. Chief Cordero says the drop nears 30%. All they're seeing in their newsfeed is negative police behavior. It's just been such a derogatory negative tone on the police. In Attleboro, Mayor Paul Haro says he's seen the drop in recruits and an increase in early retirements. Because they took they they, because they look at the job as just being a high liability to them and their family. To these officers, I want to give you a round of applause for one, you are standing up for yourselves, for your own dignity and your rights. And I respect it when people stand up for themselves Two, whether it's intentional or not, you are standing up when people say we we don't want you here and we hate you. And you're saying then so be it. I, I look at that as respecting the rights of the people and what they ask for. Now, listen. You got people who want cops, you got people who don't want cops. The people who want cops aren't saying anything because they got cops. The people who don't want cops are burning things down because they don't want cops. Well, sometimes you got to fight for what you have because some people want to take it away. And you don't know what you got till it's gone. If people won't support the police, they will resign because the squeaky wheel gets the grease. I respect these officers for doing it. If the left is saying we don't want cops and they're rioting and the politicians and the Democrats and the president and all these people are are in agreement with them. And the cops say, I know when I'm not wanted. I respect that tremendously. If they're saying abolish the police and the cop says, "Okay, let me retire. I'll take mine and go. I respect it 100 percent. They say now city and police officials are focusing on recruiting drives and improvements within their departments. It's becoming increasingly unpopular to be a police officer, but that's why we need to make sure our officers act justly make sure they follow the law, make sure they're well trained. That is 100% true. I ain't going to cry over a cop that kills somebody unjustly and goes to prison. You know, that dude was it in South Carolina. He shot a guy in the back like several times. That guy deserves to go to prison. And I haven't met a conservative who thinks otherwise. Isn't it funny how that works? Everybody wants police accountability. The issue is, When the left takes it too far and they riot and burn things down, nobody wants that either. We want accountability for everybody, but we're not getting accountability from these extremists on the left. Well, now the cops are all leaving and it's going to get bad, but let's read more. Officials say the recruitment and early retirement issues have not impacted response times, but have resulted in more overtime and additional stresses for officers. That can impact performance, even if you're working that many hours. Some Massachusetts police and city officials tell ABC6 they would prefer more control over their own recruitment. Rather than having to go through the state, I'm warning you to all these officers, if we are at a point where they're not hiring anymore because nobody wants to be a cop, they are making you work extra hours. You are getting stressed. You are you are not performing to your best. How long until you encounter a tough spot? How long until how long is it until someone scares you almost drawing a weapon and you shoot him? And you go to prison. Your local leaders will not protect you. They will sell you out in two seconds. That's why I respect the cops standing up and saying no. 100%. Now, Albuquerque has cadets to fill the void after a dozen APD officers resign from emergency response team. More power to you. I'm all about you choosing to do what you want to do. I will say these cadets must be a special kind of dumb, very dumb people. Sorry, it's true. There's an old thing about New York where apparently they wouldn't hire cops if their IQ was too high or whatever. Now, I don't know if that's true. Apparently it is. There's like a lawsuit. But come on, man. Derek Chauvin was, was, what was he, a cop for like a decade. Kim Potter, 26 years. Tragedies happen. They're asking you as an officer to go into the fray, into a conflict and not make a single mistake. Oh, hold on. You might even not make a mistake. They'll still demonize you. They're asking you to take a job and then you could find yourself facing a jury on murder charges. Look, they're isolated incidents. Let's be honest. I think it's like only a dozen or so cops have actually been convicted if that in like the past several years or even like that. it's been a long time. They don't convict cops all that often. But the political climate is such that there will be riots. Would you like to be the sacrifice at the top of the hill where they put you on the stone block and say it's, it's, it's your blood to be spilled figuratively? If you want to do that, by all means, here's the story from KRQE. Albuquerque police states academy cadets will now be trained to work on the department's emergency response team tasked with responding to mass gatherings like protests and rallies. The new decision comes after roughly 20 APD officers resigned from one unit following a recent protest at Civic Plaza. The, poli- the Plaza protest drew hundreds of people chanting against white supremacy, came in response to a wave of expected White Lives Matter rallies. In response to the recent ERT resignations, APD communications director Gilbert Gallegos said those slots are not being filled. It's exactly what that dude said before. Remember, they're not going to be able to fill it. He says the department currently has 51 ERT members, more than what APD says it had one year ago before the 2020 protests. The 2020 protests emerged. Yeah, they're riots. New Police Academy cadets are now going to be trained to serve on the emergency response team for their first year as sworn, sworn officers, Gallagher said, in an email sent to KRQE. Field units will be available to assist if needed. Please think about what this means. The riots aren't going to stop, and they're going to be sending out inexperienced police officers. Ah, that's going to get bad. That's going to get bad. Sorry, it is. look. If they're going to throw veterans under the bus, if even a veteran cop is not going to be able to handle these situations, I don't think cops are doctors. I don't think they're psychologists. I don't think they're marksmen. I don't think they're black belt Brazilian jujitsu masters or whatever. That means there's going to be issues where they try their best and it's not good enough and someone gets hurt. Well, now, these inexperienced people with even less capabilities, I think it's very likely we've seen, I I I think we'll see not too, uh, it won't take too long before we get some uh, Albuquerque cadets facing the chopping block you know, being led away in, in in chains, in a perp walk, in an orange jumpsuit. But that's their choice. Like By all, by all means, you know, do, do what you got to do. Over in New Jersey, they're seeking state police recruits, but applications are historically low. I mean, how many times do we got to see a story like this? Isn't it kind of obvious to you guys right now what's happening? Congratulations to Black Lives Matter. I mean, that's sincerely. They wanted to abolish and defund the police. They're getting it. Awesome. The politicians wanted this. I think it's fair to say local residents don't. Check it out over in Akron. Akron police hiring 50 new officers looking for diverse candidates. All right, that's cool. They're looking to hire 50 new officers. What does that really mean? We can change the framing. Akron feels that they need more police. Why is that? I wonder. Maybe an increase in crime. Maybe they're short for the year. My favorite thing, though, check this out. They say in 2019, Akron police reintroduced its academy and started paying cadets uh, $28.30 an hour with benefits. The maximum age was raised from 35 to 40, which Caprez says was done to attract both diverse candidates and military veterans. Yeah, 2019, we were still seeing a lot of protests, not nearly as bad as 2020. But perhaps it's because they're struggling to recruit. Perhaps the issues of being a cop are way extend beyond these past few years. I think it's fair to say. I mean, we've seen street battles and riots for some time now. Perhaps it's just not good enough to be a cop. It's not worth the the animosity, the anger. Raising the age pool just means they're, well, they're, look, look, with all due respect, I'm not trying to be mean, but it's, it's, they're, they're, they're desperately searching for people willing to be cops. Something is going on in it. I mentioned this in a previous segment, but if you're listening on the podcast, you'll hear this in a minute. 500 officers short. Baltimore City FOP says more officers quit than hired in two years. 500. This is from December, well before the Chauvin verdict. Kimberly Klasic, who you may know, who ran for office in Baltimore, says the number is now 700 officers short. You know what that means? Don't take my word for it. I'm going to show you. This is from February 14th. Minneapolis pushed to defund police backfires after residents complain of slow response times increase in crime. The city council on Friday voted unanimously to approve $6.4 million in additional funding for the police department. Wow. Wow. They just jammed a bunch of money back into funding the police, which they should have done in the first place. It's an old story, but I want to give you some context. Minneapolis on Friday backtracked on its initial plan to defund the city's police department in the wake of George Floyd's death. City council voted for $6.4 million. The department says it has only 638 officers available to work, roughly 200 fewer than usual. An unprecedented number of officers quit or went on extended medical leave after Floyd's death and the unrest that followed. I want to applaud these officers for standing up for themselves the, the, the local leaders have sold you out and now they see exactly the, what, what, what they will reap. They said the cops are bad and need to be reformed. There's some said, you know, there's there's nothing to do. That the, the police department itself is racist and must be abolished. And now they're now they're scared. Now they're freaking out over it. So when these leftists come and say, Tim only wants the cops to leave to, like, teach people a lesson. No, 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 no. Uh-uh. I fully respect the will of the people when they don't want cops. I live in an area without cops. I live in a rural area. I am allowed to own weapons to defend myself. I accept that responsibility. I like that responsibility. And I don't need to call the police for most things. When you're in a city, you do. You can't defend yourself. Seriously, like in Illinois, you can't even have like a stick. You got to call the cops. Out here, you actually have a right to defend yourself. I respect that. If you live in the city and you're like, yo, we don't want cops here. Hey, man. You vote for it, you get what you deserve. Now, I'm of the opinion we're going to see more of this. The new, with new recruit classes, the city anticipates it will have 674 officers by the end of the year, with another 28 in the hiring process. Days before the city council vote, Mayor Jacob Frey and Police Chief Madaria Arredondo promised to update the application process for police recruits to include questions about whether they've lived in Minneapolis, have degrees in criminology, social work, psychology, or counseling, and whether they volunteer or participate in programs such as the Police Activities League. Yes, that's right. A college graduate would like to take a $30,000 a year job. Ain't that something? Meanwhile, three city council members have proposed replacing the police department with a public safety department that would include law enforcement and other services.
2: You're cruising down the highway. Windows rolled down. Tunes blasting from the radio. You're in the zone and living the dream. Suddenly, your car sputters, coughs, and throws a wrench in your whole day. Tow trucks, repair bills. The dream turns into a nightmare. Visit CarShield online at CarShield.com slash Carlson. Join millions of customers and contact CarShield now to save 20%. Visit CarShield.com slash Carlson. That's CarShield.com slash Carlson. Visit now.
0: They say, uh, yet for Minneapolis, yes, for Minneapolis, a coalition of local community groups is also collecting signatures to try and get a similar proposal on the November ballot. Do it to it, man. I'm all about it. If Minneapolis wants to replace their cops with social workers, dude, I am legit 100% for that. If you live in Minneapolis, if you're not and you're not for that, I will go vote. I support you in your opinion, but I'm telling you this right now. The people who don't want cops are screaming and yelling and supported by the people who get elected. The people who, who want cops, I guess, aren't saying anything. And then they're voting for the people who want to get rid of the cops. Who am I to judge? Who am I to come to your city and tell you how to live? I ain't going to do that. We can sit back and we can gloat and we can be like, oh, you see what happens in Minneapolis. But hey, man, that's your that's your call. 100%. I put it this way. I live in an area where you're allowed to have guns and, um, you know, you, you're actually allowed to uh, constitutionally carry, as it were, where I live. So you probably might know where I live. Um, if somebody has a weapon And there's a shooting or whatever, and it's a tragedy, it's an accident. I accept that as the uh, of of the ramifications of freedom. It's not easy. We don't want it to happen. But I understand that sometimes accidents do happen. I understand that if people are worried and they're defending themselves, they got to be responsible for what happens when they fire that weapon. I think people in New York should have that same right. I don't want someone to tell me how to live. I don't want people from the big cities voting for the laws where I live to be changed That's why I'm not a fan of Joe Biden and his gun control. I'm going to say the same thing. I lived in the Philly area. I left. I now absolve myself of any right to claim they should live a certain way within reason. We as Americans have to respect certain policies, certain rights, and certain responsibilities. Because what happens if people in other areas like Philadelphia start moving to places where I live and then voting where I live and making things worse? So I, I I do recognize we want these cities to function. We don't want them to fall apart. This is a bounce. Libertarian versus authoritarianism. People in these big cities want social workers. They can have it. You get people like LeBron James. And I'm going to tell you something tragic. All right, you ready for some tragedy? LeBron James claims his words have been twisted to create more racism. After he posted your next threat to a cop who shot Micaiah Bryant. We saw the other day, many people on the left were defending teenager knife fights. It's the most insane thing I've ever seen. But don't you get it? They want it. There's a breaking news story right now where a 38-year-old woman ran up to her ex-lover and put a bullet, I guess, put a bullet in this person's head. No cop intervened. No national outrage. No Black Lives Matter marches. Nobody cared. I care. I don't like seeing that. I don't want people to live that way. But if they don't want law enforcement there, and they're not going to complain about it, why am I? Why are you? Look, there's another story. I'm, I, I, I don't want to pull it up. It's just nightmarish. 13-year-old girl, I think it was, was charged with stabbing someone to death. Could have been this Micaiah Bryant did the same thing. When the police intervened in the Micaiah Bryant insta- incident, the locals yelled at the police said, why did you do that? Yeah, why did you do that? Let me tell you guys something. A cop comes into a neighborhood. They're fighting. This woman's got a knife. The other person doesn't. The cop intervenes and they say, why did you do that? There's a national outrage. Democrats start tweeting, saying it's a tragedy. It shouldn't have happened. In New York City, a woman runs up to another woman, puts a bullet in her head. No one cares. I do. But I'm not going to complain about the laws they vote for and the things they want. Clearly, Black Lives Matter doesn't care about this. I'm not going to force them to care about it. I'm not going to sit here and be like, why don't you care more? I'm going to be like, "Ah, people don't care about a lot of things. So if they want it, cops should stop answering these calls. Who in, you know what, man? These cops are literally getting a call where it's like, please come. People are fighting. And they're like, I know nobody wants me there. I know they're going to get mad at me if I go there. I know I likely will go to prison if I intervene. I'm going to go there anyway. Why? They don't protest when 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 they fight each other. This is the way they want it. I'm not trying to be mean or dispatching. I'm trying to respect their wishes as a community to say, get the police out of here. If you live somewhere and you say no cops, then the cops should respect that. If you want to have retribution killings and gang violence and you vote for that, far be it from me to tell you how to live if I don't live there. Granted, if you come to my neighborhood, then you should respect how we live as well. I'll respect the rules you want. Please respect the rules I want where I live. I am trying to say this with the utmost sincerity. I respect Black Lives Matter in this community saying they don't want police. Cops should stop going into these places when people ask them not to. It's plain and simple. Why is a cop going into a poor neighborhood, going into a black neighborhood where people have asked them not to, and they're like, I'm going to do it anyway. It's the law. Don't people have a right to their own neighborhoods? If someone leaves that neighborhood and goes and commits a crime somewhere else, the cops can enforce and arrest this person. But don't go to someone's house where they're telling you not to. I don't think police should just assume they're, you know, the heroes who are entitled to go wherever they want and do whatever they want because they're the good guys. I just don't see it that way. I'll be honest with you guys. I understand that people do want police. They do. But if they're not going to stand up and ask for it, this is what's going to happen. We're not getting stories of national outrage when people in their own communities are are hurting or killing each other because these groups don't care about that. So, what do they care about? They don't want the cops to do it. You got it. I agree with you. I think more, more conservatives should get on board with that. And I respect these officers for leaving. There, there, there are areas where we would welcome these officers. All, these Albuquerque officers, you come to my neighborhood, people will pat you on the back, clap for you. They'll buy you a pizza and they'll say, thanks for coming. We, we thank you for your sacrifices. And if these communities don't want you there, stop going there. You know? It's only going to get worse. The Chauvin verdict will have a a, 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 a serious impact, but I think everyone's going to get what they want in the long run. There are people who live in these cities who want the cops. I get it, but you're in the minority. If you're the only one standing up and no one else is, you're in the minority. You might think most people tell the pollsters, we want cops, but they're not willing to do anything to maintain that. I say this, actions speak louder than words. You can tell me you want a million bucks, but you ain't willing to roll up your sleeves and go work for it. I don't believe you. If you support the cops, you speak out in defense of them. Well, those are words. You get out, you go to a city council meeting and you say, please don't do this. Those are actions. Still just words, but actions do speak louder. So add some actions to your words. I guess we can only sit back and see how this unfolds in the, in the following months and years. So I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcast Thanks for hanging out and we will see you all then. Insurrection in Oklahoma, Black Lives Matter, rioters storm the Capitol building, screaming obscenities, putting people's lives at risk. Please, FBI, put up billboards. We must know who every single one of these people are because we will not stand for insurrection. You know. This is Joe Biden's fault. Joe Biden incited insurrection by going on TV and making a speech saying that that we needed justice in this country, that, you know, o- Obama came out and said it wasn't justice. AOC, they all incited this insurrection. You know, uh, it's funny, right? Because it doesn't matter, right? They can storm the Capitol building in Oklahoma. I get it. It's not D.C. But they've literally stormed, I should say, leftist activists have literally stormed into various buildings for the Senate and Congress in the past and past few years. Remember Brett Kavanaugh when they're banging on the doors of the Supreme Court screaming? Remember when they went inside? What was it? I think it was the Hart building? I'm not entirely sure. And they're on every floor screaming and they had to shut the building down and get the Congress people out. Not insurrection, though. That's just good old activism. I hope you all are paying attention because you have to realize what's happening by now. You're going to get banned from social media. They ain't going to let you speak. And they're going to arrest you if you even so much as step out of line. Now, the leftists, I mean, they literally burned down. Okay, I should say they figuratively burned down cities. Fact checkers sneaking around going to be like the whole city was not burned to the ground. You get the point. They burned down several buildings, smashed windows, beat people. More than two dozen dead from the riots throughout last year. Not insurrection peaceful protests. You know, so long as regular people don't care and do, don't do anything about it, this is just going to keep happening. So here's the story. Black Lives Matter capital siege. Well, why are they sieging the Oklahoma State Capitol? An anti-riot bill that CNN says can protect drivers who run over protesters. Uh, that's one way to frame it. It's true. I struggled with trying to get the wording right, to be completely honest, because I don't want to be as sensational as that, but it is the truth. Framing is important. And the reason CNN uses this headline is because it's going to alarm you, I suppose. So we did an episode of the IRL podcast and we said, I'm like, what's the right way to phrase this? Because we don't have that many characters. YouTube doesn't let you use more than I think like a hundred characters for a title. And so we're trying to explain is if you're in your car, you're driving down the road and a bunch of people are banging on your car and they're screaming and you hit the gas to get out of there to escape them, you will not be held liable. This is the Florida law. It doesn't mean that you can hit the gas and you know, run down people on purpose. It means you can't be held liable if you're the victim, if you're being surrounded and people are blocking a street and you're trying to get away. Well, Oklahoma passed their bill. 34 states may have legislation. I think, I think more than 34. I think now, I think it's 35 actually, if you, if you include Florida. This is a bill that allows them to go after a wide range of activities and have harsher penalties for it. And I don't think this is a solution to anything. They're saying in Florida that if you're like standing in the street, it could be a felony. It ain't going to solve anything. Here's what's going to happen. A bunch of hippie dippy protesters will be standing out there with Antifa and they'll be in the street holding their signs, you know, and, and, and yelling. And the cops are going to come and make a bunch of arrests and they're going to say third degree felony for blocking the street. I don't, I don't like the idea of blocking the street because you get hit by cars. However, I think the idea of nonviolent civil disobedience must be respected to a certain degree. It's already illegal to block a street. I had a really interesting, you know, great argument with Will Chamberlain, the IRL podcast. He's like, no, I disagree. You shouldn't do it. I can understand the health and and safety risks, but increasing penalties doesn't change the fact that district attorneys are not arresting people. I'm sorry, I'm not prosecuting people. The cops arrest them. The DAs cut them loose. So how will a harsher law make anything better? I'll tell you what's going to happen. How about this from the Wall Street Journal? Almost half of federal cases against Portland rioters have been dismissed. Many charged in connection with violence surrounding last year's racial justice protests have completed community service and won't be tried. It's really it's really obvious it's going to happen, right? You make all the crazy laws in the world. There's no guarantee the DA is going to do anything about it. Sure, I guess in Florida and these red states, they probably will. They're not the same as the blue states like Portland. But now now here's what happens. You get a bunch of hippy dippy people in the street and they're marching around. They're screaming. They're waving their flags. And then the cops come in, make arrests, charge these people with felonies. And then they scream to the normies, to the politically uninitiated. They're charging us with felonies for just marching peacefully. Well, in that circumstance, I'm mocking the individual because I can only imagine that probably in this instance, they're throwing bricks, but they would claim it was a peaceful protest. And guess what? The media will claim it was a peaceful protest as well. And then a bunch of people who don't pay attention and don't follow politics are going to be like, this is scary. It's Trumpism. It's authoritarianism. It's just propaganda. It's going to to keep escalating. And if people, people will absolutely use this. Check out the story from The Sun. They say, The phalanx of over two dozen BLM marchers entered the Oklahoma City's House of Representatives launching fists in the air, chanting, we will use our voice to stand against corruption and no justice, no peace, according to the local television station, Coco. One of the protesters was videotaped hurling expletives. You're a effing disgrace to the whole country. The bearded man is recorded dressing down a suited man who appears to be urging him and fellow protesters to disperse. The defiant demonstration paused the session and its agenda for a few minutes. Recorded video clips show protesters managing to occupy the fifth floor gallery for a few minutes while legislators were in session. One of them could be seen futilely slamming his gavel to restore order. You think the FBI is going to come in and deal with this insurrection? Nope. Of the various aims of the protest uh, was not only to call out racial, uh, racial injustice, but to show opposition to some of the bills being passed by the legislative body. One such bill granted immunity to motorists who strike demonstrators with their cars to flee a violent protest. The AP reported, see, to flee from people who are attacking you. Let me, let me break this down for you. These people stormed into the Capitol building demanding the right to victimize people at their own, um, uh, to their own whims. If I am driving my car and y'all start attacking me, I am, I'm allowed to flee, aren't I? What, do you, what should you do? Do you guys remember during the peak of the riots? There was a woman, I think this was in Virginia, surrounded by rioters screaming and banging on her car. She calls 911 and says, help, help, I'm surrounded. And they're like, ma'am, what would you have us do? And she was like, I'm surrounded. What do I do? They're jumping on my car. They're, sorry, ma'am. She was stuck. What could she do? Nothing. It's not her fault. She's, she's the victim there. However, she's a victim. She's in a car. Well, if somebody is going to smash your windows out and drag you out of your vehicle and beat you to death, or at least you fear that may happen, perhaps it's the fault of the individuals jumping on your car who initiated the conflict and the aggression and not you. Let me, let me, let me give you an uh, uh, something. Let me Let me say this. You're riding your bicycle down the street. You're in the bike lane. All of a sudden, a car makes a hard right, hits you. You go down. Guess whose fault that is? the guy who made the hard right turn and knocked you out of the bike lane because it's their fault. They're the one who turned blindly and was negligent. But let's say you're riding your bike and you're, you're flying along and you're weaving through cars and you blow a red light. Then a car swerves, crashes, and the person inside hits you on your bike. You go flying and break your spine. Whose fault is it? Yours on the bike. Just because the car is heavier, And can cause more damage doesn't mean the person in the car is at fault. If you run a red light on a bicycle, it could be a tricycle for all that matters, a really fast one, you blow the light and a car swerves, crashes, hits you, you get seriously injured. It was your fault. Not only that, if the driver gets hurt, it's your fault as well. How about this? You're riding your bike, you blow the red light, the car swerves, crashes, the driver inside shatters their spine, you're fine, it's your fault. So if you're a regular person and you're walking down the street, minding your own business, you get attacked. You can run. You can fight back. If you're driving your car and a bunch of riders attack you, you are allowed to run to protect yourself. They mad about it. They say the bill was signed into law by Governor Kevin Stitt. Other bills on the House's agenda included one restricting abortion and Senate Bill 2, which if passed, would specifically sideline transgender girls from competing in girls' athletics. Now, I don't have that stuff pulled up. We can talk about that in another video. But here we go from CNN. Oklahoma passes a law that can protect drivers who run over protesters. Framing is everything. We're going to call them protesters, rioters. Uh, yeah, but it, it, is, it is true. Protesters, if you're blocking the street, the car has a right to, uh, to get out of there. I, I, I don't see what's wrong with that. Don't attack people in their cars. The issue, I suppose, is where things can get where where things get money is. Let's say there's like 10 people and they're holding hands and they're singing songs in the crosswalk and your car is blocked. Is the driver going to be like, I'm allowed to flee? It's supposed to be that they're banging on your car and screaming and threatening you and you're scared. So I wonder where the line is going to be drawn. CNN reports, Oklahoma Governor Kevin Stitt signed a bill Wednesday granting immunity to drivers who unintentionally injure or kill protesters while attempting to flee. And which stiffens penalties for demonstrators who block public roadways, according to the Oklahoma State Legislature. The state Senate passed the Republican sponsored legislation 38 to 10 last week. The bill makes it a misdemeanor, punishable by up to a year in prison and a $5,000 fine for anyone who obstructs a public street during the course of a protest, according to the legislation. Whoa, 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 whoa. Misdemeanor and a fine? I 100% agree with that. When you get a felony, you can't vote, you can't get guns, you can't travel. I'm not okay with that. You know, in Florida, they're saying it's a third-degree felony if you block a street. That's dumb. We want space for nonviolent civil disobedience. If somebody goes in the street and they're waving a sign and they're angry, the cops walk up, arrest them, take them out of the street. They get a slap on the wrist charge. If they keep doing it, the charges, you know, the 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 penalties escalate. But they do, or at least supposed to get some kind of penalty. Usually, it's uh, like. Community service, like we, you know, unfortunately, we're seeing the rioters get community service. But it's supposed to be a slap on the wrist. Hey, look, you protested, you disrupted the flow, you blocked people. They're angry. Here you go. You get you get punished. A felony, in my opinion, makes no sense. That's that's ridiculous. Misdemeanor, up to a year in a year in prison. It's actually a year in jail. Prison is after jail. It's like a, uh, I don't know how it works in most places. I can tell you that in Illinois, I'm pretty sure, up to a year is in jail, which is different. And then anything past that, you go to prison. So there's like county jail in Chicago in the city proper. And then there's the state penitentiaries, you know, further away. That's prison. A misdemeanor. I'll tell you what's going to happen. If you were a first time offender, you're in the street screaming and you're ordered to get out of the street and you don't, you're engaging in nonviolent civil disobedience. You will get arrested. It's always been the case and you should get arrested. You will go before a judge and they will fine you probably 50 bucks. This is the maximum. Judges interpret the law and pass down punishment in cases like this. In all likelihood, you will have a prosecutor say, plead guilty, we'll give you a hundred dollar fine, you'll go home today, end of story. That's usually how it'll roll. You make an active choice to go in the street. You make an active choice to demand people pay attention. You have to pay the penalties for that. And I think nonviolence of disobedience should come with those penalties, but there needs to be room for it. They go on to say House Bill 1674 uh, also states that drivers cannot be held criminally or civilly liable for killing or injuring a protester if they are fleeing from a riot and there is a reasonable belief they are in danger. Okay, right there. See, I was wrong. If a couple hippies are holding hands, singing songs, that ain't a riot. So they say running over protesters. That's the lie, CNN. It doesn't say protesters, it says riot. Riot. Riot is defined. Riot has to be something. Protest, that's not the same thing. Protesters, now I'll tell you this, maybe they might make an argument about blocking a street, but they say during the course of a protest, if you're protesting and you're in the street and you're like, you know, linking hands and, you know, chaining your arms together, yeah, you're going to get in trouble. That's always been the case. Have you seen the price of gold lately? It's hitting all-time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. that's 877-646-5347. Now, if you're going around smashing windows and beating people and setting fires, now people are allowed to escape to save themselves. They should have been the whole time. The bill comes in the midst of a national conversation about policing, racial bias, and the right to demonstration after months of protests, some of which turned into riots. Hey, OK, there you go. That's a that's say do it, CNN. Sparked by the death of George Floyd in police custody, Minnesota was again the center of large-scale demonstrations this month. Not only was a former officer convicted in Floyd's death, but calls for justice were reignited by the fatal shooting of 20-year-old Dante Wright. The first days of the protests over Wright's death turned chaotic as some demonstrators threw bottles and launched fireworks, and officers deployed gas and stun guns. We are sending a message today in Oklahoma that rioters who threaten law-abiding citizens' safety will not be tolerated. I remain unequivocally committed to protecting every Oklahoman's First Amendment right to peacefully protest, as well as their right to feel safe in their community, Stitt said. A group protesting legislation briefly gained entry to the House chambers inside the state capital of Oklahoma on Wednesday. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on. CNN, I don't see the word insurrection here. Was that an accident? Did you accidentally forget to use the word riot and insurrection? A group protesting briefly gained entry to the House chambers inside with the, the, you know, the, the House of Representatives freaking out. They're banging the gavel. Insurrection. According to CNN affiliate KFOR, the session resumed if the protesters left the Capitol building. So there was an insurrection at the Capitol, CNN? Uh-huh. Look at this. This is a story from Politico. This is from yesterday. After yesterday evening, it was updated. Capitol police official being investigated for directions to pursu- pursue only anti-Trump protesters. Ooh, the ongoing insurrection at the Capitol. They 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 don't shut up about it. It's to them the apocalypse, and I have to wonder who really cares. I have to, I got to be honest. There have been news stories that I think are relevant, that I think are important. Notably, what happened with Brian Sicknick, with Officer Sicknick and his death being natural causes, and also stories about the media lying about Trump and Trump being vindicated. But I'll be completely honest with you. I know for a fact, if I do a story about something four months old, ain't going to get views. People just aren't interested. So I'll tell you this. If I make a video and says Trump was right, you know, this happened, it gets very low views. And I know it does. But if it's something about the media lying I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to cover that anyway, because that's the stuff I care about. I know I'm not going to get the most traffic because I know nobody cares about Donald Trump. But in that instance, the media being called out is what's important. And the uh, other stories, you know, related to the Capitol, like the officer Sicknick story. I know people are just like, dude, this was four months ago. I don't really care all that much. Well, it makes me wonder about who's reading these stories from CNN, Politico and watching the TV, watching these news stories. Are people really trapped in Trump world? Imagine how like sad that must be. You know, it's like you're you're trapped in a time vortex where you're banging on an invisible barrier of January 7th and every other person is moving forward in time. And you're like, no, don't leave me trapped here. Trump is everywhere. These people live in Trump derangement reality. Trump is the only thing they can talk about. They can't see anything out of it. And the media now Almost four months later, just keeps going, the Capitol, the Capitol. And the rest of us are like, what happened in Minnesota? What's happening with Chauvin? Some of my most viewed videos happened in the past week with the Chauvin trial on my main channel, YouTube.com slash Timcast, because this is relevant today because the riots are happening now and people want to know what's going on with the riots and law enforcement and these laws and what Black Lives Matter is doing. They're not interested in reading a story or listening to a conversation about what happened four months ago. So who is listening to this trash? Who's clicking on these links? I guess me when I pull the story up and rag on them. But maybe they do have a broad viewership. It just so happens that they're trapped in the past. They can't escape their their Trump derangement syndrome is it's got them all wrapped up. They're trying, though. You know, Jimmy Kimmel, I guess, is making fun of Tucker Carlson. It's the best you can do, dude. Tucker Carlson. Jeez, man. These guys really have nothing to talk about. They built up an audience of Trump derangement syndrome personalities. So now y'all are talking about Tucker. Dude, I get it. Tucker is a famous guy, but he hosts one show on one network. That's it. He's not the president. He's not passing laws. He's a dude with opinions you don't like. I tell you, they need their boogeyman though. So they're trying cuz maybe they realize we have to do something that's not Trump but the only people who watch us are the anti-Trump crowd <sniffs> too bad for them you reap what you've sown i'm always going to talk about current events you know and i mentioned this the other day people are like what are you even going to talk about without Trump tim <sniffs> i'm like dude i've been doing this for a decade a decade i talk about whatever's happening i give my thoughts on it and i you know used to be on the ground now you know Companies growing, expanding. I, 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 I talk about my thoughts on what's, 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 what's going on in the world. That involves protests from Black Lives Matter. I've been covering protests more than I've covered politics. I never even used to color, cover electoral politics. I was, as I always mentioned, we did a video on Birds of Prey last year. A movie is great. Talking about movies and culture. And I was talking about the Falcon and the Winter Soldier like three nights in a row last week. These people are trapped. The only thing they can think of is Trump. The The Capitol. It was an inside job. The Capitol Police are being investigated. Oh, no. Insurrection. Meanwhile, they're going around with impunity, burning things down. And this is what we get. There's a tweet from Kimberly Classic. You may know her. She ran for office in Baltimore. 500 officers short. This was reported December 22nd. It is a quick Google search. I just pulled it up because it's the example. You know, it, 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 it exemplifies what I'm talking about. Kimberly was saying that 700 officers are they're short 700 officers in Baltimore. And it's going to be one of the bloodiest and deadliest years on record well it was reported in December that Baltimore is bleeding officers more officers quit than hired in two years good for these cops man my respect you don't if the, if, if the people say we don't want you here you should leave with dignity and if the people take you for granted leave with dignity and then maybe they'll figure it out maybe they won't my attitude's always been this if the anarchists and the leftists are right and the leftist anarchists are right that there will be a utopia without police, then let them have it. If you believe that it will be chaos and Mad Max, then let them have it. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't necessarily, I I think things will be bad because I grew up in Chicago. I know what it's like without cops. But hey, maybe they're right. Sure, fine. I don't care. Look, Michael Malice comes on the IRL podcast from time to time, and he's a very, very smart guy, and he doesn't like police, and he's very much in favor of, I believe, if it's fair to say, abolishing the police. He rags on him quite a bit. I just don't want to put words in his mouth. But he's not a stupid person. He's smart and he's more of a, you know, anarchist. So, okay, I I hear these arguments and I'm like, okay, let's 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 give people their no police. And I will be the first to say I was wrong if we have a utopia. The only issue, I guess, is that we've already seen murder skyrocketing as police departments are being defunded. So I'm kind of feeling like, you know, I'm right on this one. We definitely need police reform. We definitely need to work through a lot of problems with the police department and problems of a lack of accountability. I've always maintained we need reforms. But without cops in big cities? Look, man, somebody was murdered outside of my apartment in Brooklyn. What, would, what are we supposed to do if there were no cops? Two cops got murdered, actually. Let's just say it was two random people. Well, what would we do? Just leave the body on the ground? Have the murderer walk around with his gun shooting at people? That's insane. The cops gave chase. He fled, and when he got cornered, man took his own life. It's a tragic story. It is. But should we have let this guy just romp about shooting people? I guess that's what they want. But I'll tell you this hey, I'm pro 2A, very much so at this point. So I move out to the middle of nowhere. I buy some guns. We don't got a local police department. We have a sheriff's office. So be it. Don't come on my property. We got stand your ground laws. That's all that matters. You want to live in a big city without cops? That's your vote. You do it with my blessing. But this is what you get. Right now, Black Lives Matter storms the Capitol in Oklahoma City in, in insurrection. Nothing. They just scuttled out. You can go. Bye bye. Nothing. But the left gets what they want. Their terror campaign was successful in many different ways. Police officers are quitting in mass, and I think they should. I think they shouldn't stand for this. And I think if the, it, it's twofold. The people ask you to leave, you leave. Don't take don't don't stand there in indignity. Just Go. And say, be careful what you wish for; you might just get it. Baltimore is going to get bad, and it's not the only Baltimore. It's going to be New York. It's going to be Minneapolis. We already saw the crime skyrocketing in Minneapolis. But there you go. So long as these leftists can storm their capitals with impunity, this will keep happening, and I think the cities will suffer because of it. They already are. These young leftists don't seem to know or care, probably because they don't own stores, they don't own property, they don't own homes, they don't have families. Maybe they'll care in 10 years. They'll all become weirdo conservatives. I doubt it, though. We'll see. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. One of the jurors in the trial of Derek Chauvin has given an interview to CBS, and now we are getting a glimpse to the mindset of the jurors and why they said guilty on all counts. This juror was an alternate. So this means this this individual, this woman, was not actually in the deliberations, did not actually say guilty. However, in the interview, she said she did feel Derek Chauvin was guilty. And it's actually rather fascinating and kind of sad, to be honest. Emotions rule the day. And I think this is obvious to most people who watch this. I'd be willing to surmise, I'd be willing to bet that many people who watch a channel like mine are more interested in logic and less interested in emotion. There's pros and there's cons to that kind of mentality, but I'm more interested in logic. Based on the facts in the case and not how I felt about them, I felt that perhaps there was an argument for manslaughter, but certainly not murder. And I think most people kind of fall into that position. Right now, the left is basically saying that people on the right and conservatives just think Chauvin was innocent. Well, you know what? some do. I I absolutely uh, think that's the case. In fact, there were many uh, analysts who said the state did not prove their case. I was looking for any fact based statement that said to me the state proved their case. And I'll tell you what I find scary about this. A few things. First and foremost, let me just preface this by saying I'm not a fan of agents of the state violently suppressing people, especially when it comes to like drug use and stuff. I understand there's nuance. I'm not speaking specifically about George Floyd. Not a big fan of of, you know, the police system and the prison system in general. I'm for prison reform and police reform. I oppose private prison systems. Don't know what all the solutions might be. I'll just put it this way. It's easy to identify problems. It's hard to solve them. That's why I kind of slow roll everything and I don't have strong opinions necessarily on, on policy issues. But what worries me is that we are seeing firsthand in a live stream trial how emotion is more important than fact. This this juror basically said that she cried when she saw the video. You know, we, we had uh, Charlie LaDuff on the IRL podcast the other day. Great dude. Everybody seemed to love him, but we did disagree on this point. He said the verdict was correct and this man was killed. And I'm just like, dude, you can't throw out the individual for what you have the state do. And we're not going to get reform at the state level if we allow this to placate us. Now, you got all these leftists claiming that the riots worked. And I'm like, honestly, I think it was in spite of the riots, to be completely honest. This woman actually said the protests weren't a consideration for her. She's an alternate juror. She's come out with her face and name and said, you know, here's what I felt. And she felt Chauvin was guilty. She said, I just don't understand how it went from a 20, a counterfeit 20 to a death. It's like, were you listening to the trial? No, she was overcome with emotion. She was predisposed from the get-go. And I think there's going to be an appeal, and I think the appeal will succeed because Chauvin should have got a change of venue. He cannot get a fair trial in this place, and he didn't. This woman even said, we have this article from Law & Order, I was pretty uncomfortable. Alternate juror says Derek Chauvin stared her down in court. She said that there were several instances where she'd like look up and see Chauvin looking at her, and she was uncomfortable. It's like, dude, Why? If you have a predisposition against the defendant, well, you know what? Unfortunately, we're all human. Jury trials are human. Now, there's a couple other factors. I want want to talk to you about what the juror said so we can get some insight into why they convicted this man. But we also have some news on what may come next, because it may be that Chauvin actually gets released on appeal. There are some people arguing he should be given bail until the sentencing, and there's something called the Blakely waiver, which could, my understanding is, reduce the amount of time he might actually serve. He essentially asked the judge to determine sentencing. So I'll read this for you. I'll break this down. But first, let's take a look at this juror from CBS this morning. Alternate juror talks about the Chauvin trial verdict and the testimony that got really, that, that really got to me. I will first point out, Tobin, he was the prosecution's witness. He nailed it. I even, you know, in in one of my segments where I talked about there was a big moment for the defense, the prosecutors did really, really well. And I opened up by saying the prosecution did really, really well. And a lot of legal analysts said that in that particular moment, there were many moments where I thought the prosecution dropped the ball and I was surprised. Well, I can't say I was surprised by the verdict. You know, honestly, I thought it would be like a week of deliberations. I thought he'd be guilty on some charges, not all three counts. But when the verdict came in like 10 hours after, after 10 hours of deliberations, I was like, This has got to be guilty on all charges, right? Because they got to be scared about riots. Here's the here's the story. Lisa Christensen sat through every minute of the trial of Derek Chauvin as prosecutors and the defense each made their case in the killing of George Floyd. She was an alternate juror, so she did not have a role in the verdict. But in in an exclusive interview for CBS this morning, she said she was happy with the jury's decision to convict Chauvin after weeks of hard testimony. Christensen, said she was reluctant to be on the jury when she, when, when she was first called up. Quote, I was worried about, you know, whatever the verdict may be, if some people felt strongly on one side, other people felt strongly on the other side. So no matter what, I felt like somebody wasn't going to be happy. Let me just pause right there and say, in my opinion, that is, again, in my opinion, as close as we will get to her admitting the riots played a role. Now, hold on. Some might say, Tim, that's a bad opinion. She's played it down the middle. Are right-wingers going to go and burn down buildings and throw bricks through windows if Chauvin is found guilty? No, they didn't do it. The riots still came in Portland from the leftists. Now, what if she said, not guilty? Oh, let me make sure I, rephrase it, I phrase it properly. If he was found guilty, no one's worried about right-wingers going out and burning stuff down and, and breaking buildings. If Chauvin is found not guilty, then there is a fear that Antifa and the far left will go and destroy everything. So when she says, I'm worried about whatever the verdict may be, people feel strongly on one side. Sure, they both might be mad at you, but it's her acknowledgement. That's her acknowledgement about the results and the ramifications of her verdict. That's, that's, that's the, the, uh, the social justice wager. Because the left is allowed to storm Capitol buildings in OKC, because they're allowed to riot and they get off with slaps on, a slap on the wrist or charges being dropped, the wager is thus it is safer to feign being a leftist than to admit being a right winger or to have conservative views. That's just the way it is. So I, I, I guess our lesson from all of this is the only effective form of, count, uh, 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 of resistance to the ongoing leftist insanity is to just feign being a leftist, but I guess make them look bad. I don't know. <sighs> False flag activism or something. If a right winger goes out, a conservative or a Republican or a Trump supporter, and they protest, they're called rioters or insurgents or terrorists. It's called white supremacy. If the left goes out and literally sets a building on fire, it's called the, the voice of the, the, the language of the unheard. We know the jurors were worried about the ramifications. We also know one was heavier than the other. I think to me that's that's kind of an admission. That's just my opinion. They say She was known to the court as juror number 96. And even though she wasn't part of the deliberations, she came to a decision. I felt he was guilty. They read the jury instructions to us in the courtroom briefly, but I didn't know it was going to be guilty on all counts. But I would have said guilty. She said, why did you think he was guilty? What led you to that belief? Yukas asked. I just felt like the prosecution made a really good, strong argument. Dr. Tobin was the one that really did it for me. He explained everything. I understood it down to where he said this is the moment that he lost his life really got to me. She replied, I would like to point something out. Why I wasn't swayed. When the when the George Floyd, you know, when the whole video came out, I made several videos saying it was wrong of this cop. Don't care if you do this. Cops must be held accountable. Most conservatives did, too. I was very much on board with the cops overstepped their bounds on this one. Then evidence started to come out, and I open-minded. I said, interesting. Well, let's see the argument. I watched the trial, and I said, these cops don't know when someone loses life or has a seizure. They don't, they're not medical doctors. All they know is they have to subdue someone who's resisting. The prosecutor's own witness testified that they've subdued people until EMS arrived. So what was different in this case? The emotion, the fear. Remarkably, the leaked video tainted the jury. You had the, uh, uh. I should say, the, it's circuitous, probably a better, better say, it's better to say the leaked video that they claim, oh, I'm sorry, not the leaked video, the video of the incident that was not all encompassing, was used to show people, you know, what happened to George Floyd. And they're saying, aha, see, without that video, we wouldn't have really known. But I, I don't view it that way. The way I see it is, there was actually so much more footage we needed to get the full context. I don't like the idea of, you know, violent agents of the state killing people. But in this instance, it was a criminal on drugs, you know, a guy on drugs who broke the law, who was resisting arrest clearly and plainly. And the cops don't understand how to be a marksman, how to be a doctor. And that was an argument that uh, I think maybe the defense, well, the defense kind of put that argument up that we're not talking about the perspective of a doctor. Tobin has out- had hundreds of hours to watch each and every detail and make a diagnosis. These are cops in the streets surrounded with people screaming at him. I just don't see it. But the prosecution said, ignore everything and just trust how you felt and what you saw with your own eyes. Chauvin did this. It's insane. It's, it's just not that simple. But you know what? Hey, at this point, police, y'all are on warning, OK? I hope you all realize it's, it's, it's astounding to me that there are actually people trying to join police departments after this. You are going to get the stupidest. Poor, most poorly trained officers, when they start bringing in all of these new recruits with no experience, and they are very likely to go to prison. That's what I'm saying. You got to be really dumb, sorry, really dumb to like go, I know, I'll join the police department in this, in this city or whatever, or just be a cop in a major urban metro. I would, like you to, I would like you all to realize something. When cops have been in the job for a long time, 26 years, 10 years, 10 and a half, whatever, they have experience. However, some of them may grow callous, and we do need police accountability. But at least these guys have a general understanding of what they can and can't do. And maybe there are some changes that we need to see. This is kind of going over the top, in my opinion. But, you know, we're all kind of upset over what happened in this incident for a variety of reasons. What happens when you have mass resignations? What happens when you have a bunch of cops going to prison? And then you're like, okay, we're going to add 100 new cops fresh out of the academy. We're going to make them do more because we have less police. So each each, each one of these cops has to do more work you're going to get more shootings. You're going to get more police brutality. You're going to get more cops going to prison. I love it. I love it. One of the, any one of these cops that joins, joins the department right now has, an, in my opinion, a substantially high likelihood of going to prison because the left will demand it and they don't have the experience to deal with conflict or crisis the way a veteran cop does. So a young cop's going to get in. He's going to be like, oh, no, this guy's scaring me. And he's going to, you know, subdue a guy, break his arm or shoot him. And that person's going to go to prison. They're going to be like, he was only on the force for three months, inexperienced and scared. He was involved in a shooting and bye bye. You go to prison. You choose to do it. Don't look at me. So let's read a little bit more. During the 13 days of sometimes tense and emotional testimony and cross-examination, both the prosecution and defense promised the jury that they were going to prove their case. But Christensen said only one side did. So who made an impact in the defense? Good or bad? Yucas asked. I don't think they had a good impact. Christensen said in reference to Chauvin's defense team. I think that's a fair point. Many people pointed out the defense witness on use of force flubbed it bad, saying that subduing someone on the ground was not a use of force. That was a kick in the face to everybody who got emotional over that video. That was bad. Guy got tore up. Should have said it was a use of force. It was a lesser use of force than permitted, and it seemed like Chauvin was was trying to reduce the amount of force on Floyd. Unfortunately, their witness didn't didn't didn't, didn't uh, pull it off, and so that was bad. So that's why I think. Look, a lot of people. I think you know. Uh, uh, I do think the riots played a role, but I also think some of these people were leaning towards this. It's just, just the way it is, man. Let's read more. She says. I think he over the defense. I think he overpromised in the beginning and didn't live up to what he said he was going to do. The prosecution did have a witness that made an impact on Christensen. Darnella Fraser, the teen who filmed the video showing Chauvin pressing his knee into Floyd's neck for more than nine minutes. That's also not true. The prosecution, their own witnesses said his knee wasn't consistently in the neck of George Floyd. People just don't know this stuff. And maybe because they don't, they're not paying attention. They just don't understand why people have different opinions on this. But I do find it interesting that she expected the defense to prove their case. He didn't have to. He just needed to provide some doubt. And that's, the, that's it. The jury was not operating on that. They were like, what do I believe to be true? As opposed to, do I, well, I, let me phrase it. They were like, what do I lean towards? As opposed to, it's always got to be the burden on the state. I'm surprised by this, but uh, hey, it is what it is. Chauvin should have got to change a venue, in my opinion. He'll probably win an appeal. I really felt that she felt guilty for not doing more, and she feels responsible in a way, and I really feel bad for her. But I commend her on taking the video because without her, I don't think this would have been possible, Christensen said. Like, you see this? This is bias. I think this is media-framed bias. These are people who saw the news and got got their information from a falsely framed media. It is what it is. It was emotional. I think my eyes teared up a couple of times, so especially seeing it from different angles and things. Christensen said she locked eyes several times with Chauvin during the trial due to seating arrangements. She said she was pretty uncomfortable and got another impression of him as she watched the video. I felt like he was the leader and the other officers were following his lead. I kind of felt like he wasn't taking the warning seriously. Obviously, kind of like I know what I'm doing, you know? That's hollywoodtakeover.com slash T-I-M. Maybe Chauvin should have testified on his own behalf. He didn't do it. It's his right not to do it. It shouldn't be held against him. But apparently the jurors wanted that. And I think many people did want that. And I think it would have done well for him. Now, I don't know what he talked about with his lawyer and they decided not to do it. I think he probably should have. It couldn't hurt. I mean, in my opinion, if, the, if politics was going to play a role, he was going to go to prison. So why not just testify? Why not say this was the training that I was told? I, you know, definitively, I was not trying to hurt the man. I just wanted him to stop resisting so we can arrest him. He was large and Chauvin didn't do it. I think that really was incriminating in a lot of ways. But more importantly, the absence of a statement from Chauvin. Maybe the reality is Chauvin really was callous, that he really didn't care. Maybe we shouldn't infer anything from his lack of testimony, but I'll put it this way. It's not about whether or not he testified. I want to make sure it's clear. You have a right not to do so. I just don't know what he was thinking. I don't. I don't know if what the defense says is true. I personally don't think the prosecution has pr- pr- uh, proved murder. You know, I think they could have got him on second degree murder, but third degree murder. No, I think they could have said, you know, felony, uh, you know, felony assault on an individual. He died. That's murder two. Murder three. Not so much. He was doing his job. He went overboard. But no, they got him on everything. Christensen said another alternate juror were excused after Judge Peter Cahill sent the jurors to deliberate. Two days later, after more than 10 hours of deliberation, Chauvin was found guilty of unintentional second-degree murder, third-degree murder, and second-degree manslaughter in George Floyd's death. He faces decades in prison and will be sentenced by Judge Cahill in about eight weeks. While the trial may be over, Christensen said it will have an impact on her for a while. I just don't understand how it got from a counterfeit $20 bill to a death. It kind of shocks me, she said. Christensen lives in Brooklyn Center, the city where Dante Wright was shot by a police officer nearly two weeks ago. She said those protests did not play into her decision about Chauvin being guilty. Wright will be laid to rest Thursday. You know, I, I, I honestly believe her. I, I, I do. The Dante Wright protest probably didn't play a role because she's, she's chosen to come forward with her name. Or maybe I, I, I really I really think, you know, I think she was not swayed, but I do. I do think it's fair to say, well, hold on, I, I, I got to preface that. I honestly don't know. She did say she understood the ramifications. She understood that people were going to be angry. I think that does play a role. But I don't think she's worried about the far left. She's put her face out there. Chauvin was found guilty. Or maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the reason she's doing this interview is to save herself. Maybe she's still worried that the jurors will be attacked for simply being jurors. Maybe. So maybe she's like, I better get out in front of this and tell everyone he's guilty and I'm on their side. Maybe that's the reality. And that's why she's saying, you know, I knew that there were real ramifications, that people were going to be mad no matter what. They're going to be mad no matter what. But your city was being tore up by the left, not the right. So I think I should, I should, you know, upon reflection, I mentioned it earlier in the video. I think that's as close as, as, as an admission will get at, at, close, as close to an admission as we'll get. In my opinion, I think she was scared. In my opinion, I think it played a role. I, I, I guess I should just say, I don't think it played the biggest role in the world. I think she was cognizant of that fact. But I think emotions, for the most part, played a role. Now, I'll just go over this a little bit. The Blakely uh, sentencing. They say for uh, legal insurrection, this is Andrew Branca, whose analysis has been fantastic, in my opinion. Once an initial range is determined for sentencing, that range can be further reduced if there are mitigating factors or alternatively increased above the initial range if there are aggravating factors known as Blakely factors. Blakely is an interesting case because it resulted in a profound revision of how sentencing guidelines are understood. Criminal offenses typically have a maximum sentence, say 40 years for second degree felony murder. And the sentencing guidelines suggest some fraction if you know no, so the, the, the person has no prior convictions. The, tr- the traditional practice has long been that a judge could consider a variety of mitigating and aggravating factors in order to short short in, in ordering a shorter or longer sentence than the guidelines suggested. And this and that this consideration was entirely the decision of the sentencing judge, so long as the sentence order did not exceed the maximum statutory sentence for the particular offense. So in the context of our second degree felony murder conviction, a jury of the defendant's peers had found him guilty of that crime, punishable by up to 40 years. And now it was within the discretion of the sentencing judge to start sentencing considerations using the recommended sentence suggested by the guidelines. And then adjusting upward or downward based on his own discretion with no further involvement by a jury. The only time further involvement of a jury would be required then would be if the judge wished to exceed the statutory maximum sentence for the crime for which the defendant had been convicted. They say Blakely, uh, this is how sentencing departures typically worked. Yada, yada. Under Blakely, the judge still needs to involve a jury if he wanted to sentence beyond the maximum for a crime in which there was a convict. But Blakely also held that a judge needed to inv- involve a jury if he wanted to sentence a convict beyond the range suggested by guidelines. So I guess the, the idea here is Chauvin signed a Blakely waiver. I guess he wants the, the, the judge to make his own decisions. They say immediately after yesterday's readings of the guilty verdicts, Cahill informed the parties that they would have one week to file arguments on Blakely factors in the case. Okay. They say he could be facing a maximum of 40. He maybe could get 10 to 5. There's also 25. We'll see if this runs concurrent. I'm not entirely sure. It could be interesting. I think they're going to throw the book at him. I think they're going to give him the harshest possible penalties. And I think this bodes terribly for Kyle Rittenhouse. I I, I said, Kyle Rittenhouse is going to get life. I mean that hyperbolically. I don't know exactly what he's going to get. I'm saying he's going to get a very, very extreme sentence. He's going to get the maximum possible, probably, because they're going to burn everything down unless they get what they want. They admit it freely and openly. This is, how, this, this, this is how it works these days. That's why I said it's the social justice wager. If you are a right winger and the left wins, you're burned at the stake. If you're a right winger and the right wins, you're fine. If you're, uh, if you're a left winger and the right wins, you're fine. But if you're a left winger and, the, and, and, and you know, the left wins, you're still fine. So in that wager, it's only the right that, get, that gets punished. The left will be fine no matter what, because the right isn't going to retaliate against the left if the right gains power over cultural institutions. That's how it goes. Well, the ramifications against police are pretty severe. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcast. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then.